If you have not heard the breaking news, he decided to keep the NFL draft going. He decided in April, in late April, to go ahead and keep it going, which a lot of the general managers and team owners are not happy about this. And we have a little interview here that um, Adam Schefter was so um, nice to send us. So let's, let's listen to what he has to say. Okay, here we go. The draft. It's interesting, Greeny, because right now the NFL is right now the NFL is sticking to current draft dates, despite a recommended delay by a, a subcommittee of general managers. They're concerned the GMs are that there won't be enough time for player physicals, for gathering psychological testing, for getting further verified information about the players, and some teams having to conduct the draft from home. So there's a good deal of concern on the part of the GMs. But Shefty, this was your story overnight with Diana Rossini, and she'll join us in our next hour. What more can you tell us about this decision to go forward with the draft? It's interesting, Greeny, because right now the NFL seems intent upon having the draft in April exactly on the dates it is scheduled to have them, just not in Las Vegas. The general managers are not happy because essentially as of today, Roger Goodell has ordered that all team facilities shut down until at least April 8th. So where are they going to be conducting the draft? Some teams, like the teams in California, like the teams in New Jersey, Philadelphia, maybe they're not even allowed inside their building by the time the draft rolls around, whereas other teams might be allowed. So that would be an advantage for those teams. I had one team suggest to me yesterday that we could wind up renting a hotel room, a conference room in a hotel, so that we could have our war room there because we're not allowed in our facilities. There's lots of unknowns here about how this is going to work. The one thing we can say is the GMs don't want to have the draft when it is. They want it pushed back. The NFL wants the draft on the dates it has it and hasn't discussed moving it back at this point in time. And I would throw one other curveball in there. I'll give you my idea, Greeny. Yeah. Basically, how about having one round of the draft on every night? So we have seven nights, seven rounds. Basically, it's the Hanukkah of NFL drafts. That's what you're talking about in time. And there's no rush to get through anything. It gives teams on the clock more time. It's not like coaches have to have players in mini camps. Next week, they don't. There are no mini camps. There's no off-season program. There's no other sporting events on the calendar. Have the draft occur one round per night for one straight week, and every round would be a big deal that week. What a great idea. You know, if you listen to Adam Schefter there, at a time where we do not have any sports to watch, Basically, everybody's watching reruns of whatever their favorite sport is. If you're a baseball fan, you're watching baseball reruns. If you're an NFL fan, you're watching football reruns, basketball, hockey, and so on. Think about it. Seven days you do each round. I I would watch it. I would watch it, and I think most of your big football fans would be into watching that now because... Uh, excuse me, watching that also because they don't have anything else to watch. It's not a bad idea by Adam Schefter. But what does surprise me here, and I want to say this correctly because I don't want to offend people, the crisis we have going on in the U.S. right now is very, very dangerous. I understand the coronavirus, but 
in all fairness, what I think and what I think, I am not Roger Goodell, I'm not in his mind, and I haven't spoken to him, and I wish I would have the opportunity to, because I would ask him, but having the draft April 23rd to 25th, I think the NFL is saying, we're going to be playing football this year. We're going to be playing football come September. We need to live as normal as we can live under the current conditions. That doesn't mean do not take the warnings that the CDC or the WHO is giving us in regards to the coronavirus, but there has to be a balance. You know, you hear, and I'm not a political guy and I will never get into politics here, but you hear the CDC saying this, President Trump saying this, that within by Easter he wants, you know, the economy to get back. There's got to be some normalcy. You can't live in fear. There's got to be a point where we say, okay, have we attacked this virus enough or have we not attacked the virus enough? And what do we got to do to put it to the either, I don't know if the end is the right word, but at least get it under control where we can get back to living as normal of a life as we were living before. And I don't totally disagree with Roger Goodell. Let's do the draft. Let's get it over with. Let's get people excited. And I think we really, really need, you know, I was listening to baseball yesterday and one of the topics came up and I forgot who it was that reported it, so I apologize. But they were saying, what happens come May? And um, it was Mark Tixchera who they were asking if he would be in favor of it. um, About playing baseball in front of no crowds. At least to get the season started. And, you know, Mark Tixchera was a great player, a great reporter. He said he, he, if he was still a player today, would be in, in favor of that. Would definitely be in favor of that. So, once again, there's the balance of normalcy I'm talking about. Let's start playing the games, but maybe we have to weed the fans back into it and maybe say, okay, the first 20 games we're not going to play in front of a crowd. Okay, then come June, we can start adding crowds to the games. We'll be back right after this message. And the tip of the day from my buddy, Dick Vitale. My motivational tip of the day, it's all about this. Seek knowledge. That's right. Pursue knowledge related to what you're trying to chase, your dreams and goals. Get as much knowledge as you can. Read, observe, talk to people, communicate. Find out as much as you can. Yes, that preparation will get you ready to attack whatever goal you're trying to attack. So knowledge is vital. It's important. When you have knowledge, it gives you unbelievable power to feel good about yourself, to have confidence, that good self-esteem. You want that attitude. It's all about that mental attitude and trying to get ahead. And it all starts by getting as much knowledge that you possibly can get and pursuing the goal and dream you're chasing. My motivation... Ladies and gentlemen, hi, my name is Larry Frank. I'm the host of Frankly Speaking. And 
Unfortunately, over the last month or so, we're going through this coronavirus and I just want to say if you're out there and you see a truck driver, you see a hospital worker or any healthcare worker, you, you see a restaurant employee working carry out or delivery, let's give them a special thanks. These people are really working hard to make sure under these uncomfortable conditions that we are able to at least be provided with the necessary essentials. So if you see one of these individuals, give them a quick thank you. And once again, I'm a big supporter of the mom and pop restaurants. Let's get out there, order a delivery or carry out. It could be the difference between some of these little mom and pop restaurants opening or staying closed. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank. Just want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at Larry Frank Us. That's a U.S. at the end. We have our own Facebook page, and you can send any questions or comments about any of my podcasts to uh, Frankly Speaking 528 at gmail.com. Um, just want to remind you that tomorrow we are going to have an incredible show uh, as we are going to talk a lot of baseball tomorrow uh, on what is supposed to be opening day. Once again, I asked you all the question yesterday and I'm going to ask the same question today. Love you to respond to my voice message link here on Anchor FM or you can once again Email me at franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. What is the best opening day baseball moment that you remember while you were alive? Not before you were alive, but while you were alive. And, you know, it could be an actual, you know, somebody hitting a home run, an opening day home run to win the game. Uh, somebody throwing a no-hitter on opening day. Um, or it could be just a little story where it was the first time you ever took your son and daughter to a baseball game or your wife or girlfriend. Whatever it might be, go to franklyspeaking528.gmail.com. I would love to get as many of those as possible and actually read them on the air tomorrow on Frankly Speaking. Um... I got something that disturbed me a little bit, and that's not uncommon, as you all know. But I was listening to a radio show, and I'm not going to say what radio show. I'm not going to say who the uh, the individual that uh, was say, making these comments. But it really disturbed me. They were talking about an event about... A couple of years ago, I think it was, when the Boston, I don't know if the Boston Red Sox were in the World Series, or what it was, I believe it was the Boston Red Sox were playing the Los Angeles Dodgers in Los Angeles. Um, and once again, the game is not important here. It's the situation that I'm about to describe that really got me upset is that this individual who was doing the radio show, they were talking about a time when a Boston fan got beat up 
actually got beat up after a Dodger game because he was wearing a Red Sox uniform. Or Red Sox jersey, should I say. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, okay. Unfortunately, we got some bad fans in this world that would do stupid things like that. But the guy that was the host of the show said, and this was his comment, I'm almost verbatim, was if you wear a Red Sox shirt to a Dodger game, you deserve to get beat up. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, what the heck is this guy talking about? And you know, I said, why should a fan not be able to wear the uniform jersey of his team if they are playing against another team. That's BS. BS, BS, BS. You know, I remember, you know, I remember my first football game ever going to. It was at Schaefer Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Steve Grogan, who I knew personally, was the quarterback for the Patriots. I was a Jets fan and they were playing the Jets and actually my first game was in snow. And I was wearing a Jets jersey and was treated fine. My wife and I, we go to away games. You know, uh, we had season tickets a couple of years ago to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We were living near Jacksonville and uh, we decided to go to a whole away game in Cleveland. Now, Cleveland's 0-9 at this time. We're wearing our Jacksonville jerseys. They treated us like gold. These fans were so great. So don't tell me that any fan deserves to get beat up. You know, we have a right to root for our teams. And the problem right now is the fans have gotten so out of control, for some reason, they think they can do whatever they want. They pay a ticket, you should go to the game, cheer for your team. If you want to boo for your team, fine. But darn it, don't say you have the right to beat people up. Going back to Jacksonville, um, when we made the playoffs a couple of years ago on that run where we went to the AFC Championship, uh, we went to play the Bills in the first round of the playoffs, who we beat. And I'm going to tell you, those fans were looking for fight. The Buffalo fans that came down to Jacksonville, that I think they call themselves the Bills Mafia or the Buffalo Mafia, whatever they call themselves, they're looking for fights. They're looking for fights. Those people do not deserve to have a ticket to a game. And for this guy on that radio show and for that host to say anything like that, was the craziest thing I ever heard. Now I know I, I do this live as well, and we all have a right to an opinion. But damn, there's got to be some decency in your opinions. And for someone to say that a fan has the right to get beat up because they wear a visiting team's jersey is crazy, 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 crazy. And if anybody thinks that's okay, they don't deserve to go to a football game, baseball game, basketball game, hockey game, whatever game it might be.
And that's my thoughts on that. Uh, some more positive news. Um, the NCAA has allowed Trevor Lawrence to have a GoFundMe page with his girlfriend to uh, go ahead and help victims uh, think through the uh, coronavirus. It was the right move, and I think a lot of people at first thought it was the NCAA that said no, and it wasn't. It was actually Clemson saying the rules that are set forth by the NCAA does not allow a player to do that. And, you know, this is a whole nother topic for a whole nother time because we can talk hours about what rules should be and should not be, but the NCAA got it right here. Um, they realized they did what they called they waived, waived it. So they allowed him to do it because of the severity of the situation going on currently in the U.S. And the NCAA did make the right move, you know. And there's a lot of things I disagree when it comes to the NCAA and the college athletes and the things they do not allow them to do. But in this case. Uh, I really, you know, we, we knock the NCAA all the time for, you know, doing some silly, stupid rules that we just don't understand. But for them to do this, they got it right. And they need to be recognized, not just when they, you know, you know, we fault them for doing things wrong. But we need to definitely recognize them for doing things right. When we come back. Got a message from somebody on the uh, Larry Frank 528 uh, email line. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, who they actually think uh, I'm mean to Boston teams. So we'll talk about that right after this message. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. This is our last segment of the day. And I got a message from an individual in Connecticut who thinks when it comes to the Boston teams that I'm kind of hard on the Boston teams. Now, I want to make it very clear. I've lived in Boston or the Boston area just about 20 miles southeast of Boston about 36 years ago. So it's been a long time. I lived there, for, I believe, from 1979 to roughly 1984, 80, right at 85 after I got out of high school. Then I came down to Florida and never went back. Um, I used to go to Patriots games. I've been to, I couldn't tell you how many Red Sox games. I used to watch Jim Rice. Dewey Evans, Collier Strzemski. I, I think the only, was one of the times in my life where I had a tear in my eye when he retired and, you know, his last game. Um, I got to see other players um, in hockey, the Bruins at the Old Garden. You couldn't get a ticket for the Celtics back then. That was the Larry Bird era. If you remember, he... Uh, Started with the Celtics in 1980. But um, I watched Terry O'Reilly, Mike Milbury. I remember the Bruins games versus the Islanders in the playoffs when O'Reilly and Gillies would beat the crap out of each other. Those were the years 
those were the years the Islanders were really good. Um, so I lived in Boston. I have no reason to hate these teams. And I'm not being hard on these teams. But you have to understand, I'm not the one who cheated. The Red Sox cheated. The only thing that has saved the Boston Red Sox right now, and, you know, it's terrible to say it, but is the coronavirus. Otherwise, we would have found out by now the outcome of that investigation. They hired Joey, Joey Cora, uh, probably the guy who, besides uh, Carlos Beltran, who was the main focus with the Houston Astros in the cheating scandal. I didn't do that. That's not me being hard on the Red Sox. It's a fact. It's facts, guys. I'm not making this stuff up. I didn't trade away Mookie Betts, David Price. I didn't hurt Chris Saley's arm where he had to have Tommy John surgery. They're dismantling the team. It's not my fault. It's a fact. That's not being hard on the Red Sox. That's telling you what I'm supposed to do to my listeners, the facts. I'm telling you the truth. And then you got the New England Patriots. Oh my goodness. Are you able to still name a player besides Julie, besides Edelman on that team? I can't. I did not let Tom Brady go and treat the greatest quarterback of our time or forever like a piece of crap. The Patriots did that. To let Tom Brady go is the worst thing that ever has happened in professional sports. It's a travesty. The guy gives you 20 years of his life. Now, some people are going to say, well, Tom wanted to go. Okay, don't tell me Tom wanted to go. You didn't do enough to keep him. If you would have done enough to keep Tom Brady, he would have stayed there. And for those of you people, as we're talking about Tom Brady, um, he had his uh, kind of a weird press conference yesterday in Tampa Bay. Uh, let's, let's see if we can get the highlights. I think we got this here, the highlights of his um, actual uh, press conference with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're having a little technical difficulty here. Please stand by. We're trying to get this for you right now, folks, so bear with me. We might not be able to get it as we're having a little difficulty. It's an exciting moment for me in my life. Um, you know, this entering a, something that's obviously very unique to me is it's the first time it's happened in 20 years. So um, I'm kind of taking it day by day. And, um, you know, the expectation for me is to come in and do what, um, you know, I feel is you know, right for, for, you know, the organization. That's to be a great team player. 
and I'm going to try to do everything I can to get up to speed with all the things that I need to do and what my responsibilities are. Um, I obviously have a ton of trust and respect in, for Coach Arians, um, you know, for what Jason and what he's done to build the, the team and organization as is now. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful to the Glazer family to give me an opportunity. Where I've been, I've, I've learned a, a great deal. And, um, you know, as I move forward, I said the other day, no one cares what you've done in the past. They don't care what you did last year or five years ago or 10 years ago. And, you know, I've, I think hopefully I... The knowledge, you know, I've had in my experience playing quarterback, you know, will allow me to, you know, transition quickly. There's a lot of things I got to get up to speed on. Um, obviously, learning uh, different terminology and, uh, you know, that's that's a unique challenge that I haven't faced. But it's one that I'm looking forward to also. So, again, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to make, you know, a bunch of predictions to where I've been. You know, this is I go in with. You know, looking for the opportunity to learn from the new coaches and the new players that I'll be playing with. And I'm going to go out and give everything I got. All righty. That's Tom Brady. Uh, yesterday, his press conference or introductory press conference uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm talking about, I did not get rid of Tom Brady. Okay. Gronkowski retired. Um, they lost a lot of good players, the New England Patriots, okay? It's not my fault that overnight, the one of the better teams, the dynasty of this decade, and I will say the decade of the last 20 years, is now possibly only in the middle of the pack or less when it comes to quality football teams in the NFL. That is not my fault. I'm not being hard on Boston fans. It's the facts. That's what I do on this show. Now, the Bruins, they were playing well. The Celtics, they were playing well. Unfortunate circumstances happened in the world, um, and we'll never know how far they would have gone. But I'm not hard on Boston fans. I have nothing against Boston fans. I have, excuse me, fans of, of teams. They're just, it's like 19, the 1980s all over again. You had the Bruin and the Celtics that were doing well. And you have the Red Sox and the Patriots that aren't. It's almost like a replay of the 1980s when I lived there. That's all I'm saying. Boston fans, I love you. I love that you listen to the show, but I would be doing you a dissatisfaction if I lied and tell you these teams are doing okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for all the support you have given me. If you haven't heard, we are on seven different websites now. You can follow me on Twitter at Larry Frankis. That's a U.S. at the end. We have an email address for questions and concerns. Let uh, Frankly Speaking 528 at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. We have more views in the last two days than we have had in a long time. 
It means that I have listeners and fans out there who at least I want to say I think enjoy what we're doing here, especially during these tough times. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow on what's supposed to be baseball's opening day. We will discuss baseball. We have the poll question out there on what is your favorite moment while you are live for opening day. I have already picked out mine. Uh, So please join us and we will talk to you tomorrow. God bless y'all.